Welcome to Insight into Teaching Intro Psychology, a McGraw-Hill informative audio series. These podcasts feature subject matter experts, instructors, and authors discussing psychology-related topics in higher education. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Insight into Teaching Psychology podcast. My name is A.J. LaFerrera, and I am on the marketing team at McGraw-Hill. And I am extremely excited for today's podcast because we are joined by a trio of instructors from Psi Beta National Honor Society. Jerry, do you want to go ahead and kick us off with an introduction? Yes, thank you. Uh, my name is Jerry Rudman, and I teach at Irvine Valley Community College in California. And the courses I teach are introductory research methods and statistics. And since 2005, I've been the executive director of an honor society called Psi Beta, which I'll explain a little more about that in a minute. Hi, I'm Kimberly Duff. Thanks for having us, AJ. I teach at Cerritos College, which is in Southern California. I've been there for about 20 years. And I regularly teach introductory psychology. I teach it in the classroom, face-to-face and online. I also teach social psychology and a research methods laboratory course, which is a lot of fun. And currently, I'm one of the vice presidents for Cybeta for the Western region of the United States. And I'm also the president-elect for Cybeta National Honor Society. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be here. I'm Kathleen Hughes-Stelmack. I am with Pasco Hernandez State College, which is located in Florida. I'm a psychology professor there and the department chair of social and behavioral sciences. I teach online and face-to-face courses, including intro to psychology, lifespan, adolescent psychology, child psychology, abnormal psychology, and human sexuality. I have been involved with Cybeta since 2010, first as the Southeastern Regional Vice President, then as President of Cybeta for two years, and now I am currently past president. Great. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, like I said, really excited to dive into some of the goals of Psi Beta. So before we dive in, Jerry, do you want to talk a little bit about what Psi Beta is and its mission for anybody that may not have heard about it before? Sure. Psi Beta is an honor society that is designed for community colleges for students who have an interest in psychology. They can join even if they are not a psychology major. Uh, The mission statement is to encourage professional development and psychological literacy of all students at two-year colleges through the promotion and recognition of excellence in scholarship, leadership, research, and community service. Cybeta is also a member of the Association of College Honor Societies, which is known as ACHS. It certifies honor societies to make sure that they are legitimate and have high standards. And the reason that I'm, I think it's good that we're talking about Psi Beta is that Psi Beta is one of several types of organizations that provides a lot of opportunities for psychology professors to mentor their students and also has ways for advanced students to provide peer mentoring to newer students. Now, Psi Beta was founded 35 years ago We also have, there's a sister organization, it's affiliated also with APA, it's called PSYCHI, and that's 
that serves university students. Some campuses establish psychology clubs with or without a Psi Beta or Psi Chi chapter. But, you know, regardless of the model being used, forming a psychology-themed group on campus is an excellent way to provide students with all kinds of mentoring. And so as we go through this podcast today, we'll be discussing some of those strategies and also um, how they tie into the APA learning guidelines. The guidelines, the most recent version of them came out in 2013, and basically they specify five different knowledge and skill areas that undergraduates of psychology should achieve by the time they get their BA degree. The guidelines are also broken into AA and BA levels, so they serve in sort of a developmental guide for faculty to use when they're designing curriculum and, and uh, thinking of different extracurricular opportunities that they could provide to their students. And so very briefly, the APA goals are, there's five of them, knowledge-based in psychology. The second is scientific inquiry and critical thinking. The third is ethical and social responsibility. Fourth is communication. And fifth is professional development. And so as we go through today, the other speakers and I will be kind of tying how some of these mentoring strategies tie back into the APA learning goals. Well, I think that's a really great overview, and I think how we're going to structure today's podcast is we're going to go through each of the four topics that Jerry had just mentioned, scholarship, leadership, research, and community service. So before we dive into those, Jerry, Kathleen, Kimberly, anything that you guys uh, want to leave with us before we jump in? I think one thing I'd like to add is that while some of the things we'll be talking about today come from our experiences as advisors of psychology clubs or Psi Beta chapters, we want to encourage all of our colleagues to consider these as mentoring strategies that they could employ with their students. Mentoring students is a critical piece of teaching. We all do it in the classroom, and I think it's great because today we're going to be able to talk about some of the mentoring that we do outside of the classroom that really provides immeasurable benefits to students as well as to us, the faculty, who are doing the mentoring. So I think this is actually a great opportunity to jump right in. Kimberly, the first topic that we had decided we wanted to jump into was scholarship. So do you want to walk us through a little bit of the topic on scholarship and Psi Beta? Sure. Well, I think we all want to train good scholars. You know, when I, when I think of scholarship, I think of academic achievement but also furthering one's knowledge of the discipline. And so I think when we're talking about scholarship, through an organization such as Psi Beta or Psi Chi or just generally outside of the classroom, we're talking about promoting good academic performance. Some of the ways that we do this at my campus is we work with our students to prepare, prepare a resume or a professional resume, which is called a CV or curricular vitae, where we can model for the students how they can showcase and document their experiences that they have while they're at the college with us. So when they leave the institution, they've documented all of the accomplishments that they've achieved outside of the classroom. Some of the other things that we do in our club outside of the classroom is we have a host of guest speakers that we invite to the campus. 
And this is a really good opportunity for students to interact with individuals that they normally wouldn't have the chance to interact with. So in the past, we've had a Holocaust survivor come in and talk about their experience in a concentration camp. We've had a clinician that's maybe working in private practice and other psychologists maybe working in industrial organizational or sports psychology that we wouldn't necessarily have on our campus, just so students can learn more about the field. Probably one of the greatest things that I think we've been able to implement our campus, and it's taken several years to build up, but the students report that it really is life-changing for them, is the opportunity to attend a conference, a psychology conference. And there's ways to host conferences on campus through a Psi Beta or a Psi Chi chapter, but there's also opportunities out in the community for students to attend professional conferences that are very student-friendly. The American Psychological Organization has different regional conferences. For example, out here in California, we have the Western Psychological Association that's held every year in the spring. And they welcome students to come and attend and kind of see what professional psychology is all about and even provide them with opportunities to present their own work if, if they're so inclined. Thanks, Julie. Those are great examples. Jerry, Kathleen, anything that you guys want to add in terms of scholarship? Well, one of the things I'd like to add is that actually through SciData and SciChi, being inducted into an honor society is quite an accomplishment for students. And when there is the option for students to be involved in an organization like that, it really does recognize their hard work and their accomplishments. It's a very special thing for them, not only at that moment through the induction, but in many cases, their academic transcript will be noted that they were a member of an honor society. And they can also be recognized at commencement, which is a very special thing for the graduate and his or her family. Another thing that, that we like to do at my institution is have students actually involved in conferences on our campus. And so we have, over the years, held a couple of really big events. Um, one was on homelessness in our community. Another was related to PTSD. Another one related to sex abuse in childhood. And the goal is to take what students are learning in their classes and then really expand their knowledge, have them meet individuals who are working in the field, addressing these issues, learn the statistics, learn the treatment outcomes, understand the implications on, on social policy even in some cases of these kinds of um, issues that are facing people in our community. And that helps them to connect theory to practice, which is one of the things that we really try to do. Terrific. So when we look at the goal of scholarship, where does that tie into APA goals? Well, scholarship, you know, generally ties into all five of the goals, but in terms of articulating what students are, are getting from some of these examples that we've been sharing, it probably ties in with goal one, which is a knowledge base in psychology. You know, certainly if students are attending conferences, they're learning more about the discipline, they're learning more about the field. It certainly ties in with goal number two, which is scientific inquiry and critical thinking. Um, because we're teaching them to think scientifically. And probably goal number five, which is professional development, um, which I think is huge because so many students say that they would want to major in psychology and become a psychologist, but I don't think everybody really understands what psychologists do. 
And so providing some of these opportunities can really showcase to them what we do outside of the classroom. And I know when we're talking about conferences, it, it can seem pretty overwhelming. I know before we had any conferences on our campus, it was difficult to envision how we would even start something like that. But I should note that both SciBeta and SciChi offer even grant funding um, to institutions, to faculty, to set up these conferences. And I know when a colleague of mine set up our first, which we now have an annual Psychology Day conference at our campus here in Southern California, the students were so excited that we, we delegated to them and they jumped right in and, and helped put everything together from the conference packets to inviting speakers. And so the students, it really gives them a chance to get more involved in professional development along with the scholarship. So let's move on to the second topic area that we wanted to discuss, which is leadership. And Kathleen, I know you had some thoughts that you wanted to share in this specific area. Absolutely. One of the things that we know from um, some research is that students feel pretty confident in their, uh, their soft skills ability. They feel like they are great communicators, that they have excellent inter and intrapersonal skills, and are leaders. And uh, what we sometimes hear from employers is that students are maybe, or, or new hires rather, you know, people who've graduated, they're kind of grossly overestimating their abilities. And so helping individuals to cultivate good work habits, to sharpen their readiness for either continuing their education. In my school, they'll go on to a baccalaureate uh, program, for example, or into the workforce. How do we help students get ready to be leaders in our communities and in our uh, workforce? So this is something that we care a lot about and actually have a number of different things that we do to help our students. So. Uh, by nature of having student clubs like Psychology Club and SciData and SciChi and, and others, students are holding leadership roles, right? They will be elected in some, in many cases, to different positions. In fact, that's a requirement of uh, SciData and SciChi, that you'll have a president and a vice president and people in different roles like that. And so students will learn how to run meetings and keep things in order and running smoothly. And they will develop communication skills or, or continue to enhance their communication skills. They, by nature of the kinds of things that these clubs and organizations do, they are interfacing with others, whether they be other faculty, um, administrators at the college, representatives from uh, you know, local organizations, et cetera. And so by working in the capacity of their club, they are having an opportunity to connect with others and learn how to communicate and really just hone their skills as a leader. Um, some of the other things that uh, students will do is they will be giving presentations. And sometimes they'll go into classrooms to encourage students to join the club. And so by doing that, they have to prepare what they're going to say and go into the different class, you know, get permission from the faculty to visit the class and then go in there and uh, talk about the, um, the reasons that someone should consider joining. And so those are all really important things for them. And then this is kind of going above and beyond, right? It's doing more than just coming to school and going to your classes. You're engaging with your community and having an opportunity to have a real impact. 
Kimberly or Jerry, anything that you would want to add there? At our campus, one of the things that we've done to uh, provide students with some leadership skills and also because we just needed some help in the classroom is we've been able to provide opportunities for undergraduates to work either as a psychology tutor um, or as an undergraduate teaching assistant. Sometimes there are funds for us to be able to do this and so the students are employed. Other times the students are doing it more on an internship um, type model, type basis. And this is just a really wonderful opportunity because as a faculty member, we get to mentor them in the classroom and, and mentor them as a brand new young teacher. Uh, but at the same time, this gives them a chance to practice some of their leadership skills as well and see maybe this is one part of psychology that they might want to go into would be as, um, as a teaching professional. Another thing that we do, I'm so proud of my college for this, is that they actually hold retreats for students. For sure, it is something that they encourage all the leaders across our campuses, across the college, for all of the different organizations we have. But it is also open to all students. And they have a leadership retreat every summer. It's off-site. It's several days. It involves team building and uh, learning you know, to work together and learning how to be better stewards of your organization, and they also learn things that help them as students. So it is a, a wonderful time for them. They make good friends. They are thrilled to be able to be involved in a retreat, and then they develop these leadership skills as well. So before we move on to the next topic, let's bring this back to APA goals that this ties into. And Kathleen, do you want to kind of walk us through where um, leadership and the APA goals intersect? Absolutely. So just like Kimberly mentioned, I think we could all agree that uh, all the categories that we'll talk about, APA goals are aligned to, to the kinds of mentoring that we're doing. But I would say that goal four, communication, and goal five, professional development, really speak to this leadership category. Um, demonstrating effective writing and uh, you know, verbal communication, being able to interact with others, developing even skills to give presentations. That's all part of that fourth goal of communication. And I think that leadership, mentoring students in this area really speaks to that, as well as the professional development goal, which is goal five. Perfect. Well, I think this is a great opportunity to move to the third topic, which is research. So Kimberly, do you want to walk us through the research topic? Sure. Research is something I really get excited about because in addition to teaching introductory psychology, I teach a research methods laboratory. And I also have two school-aged children who every year are doing science fairs. And if I can't get them to do psychological research, I can at least get my college students to do the psychological research. And there, there's different ways to convey the importance of research to students. And since psychology is an evidence-based discipline, you know, whether we're talking about how students learn or master new concepts in a college course or using, say, therapeutic techniques to aid in smoking cessation, we need to be able to digest and evaluate the scientific evidence, and we need to be able to teach our students to do that. So there's a couple different ways that, that I engage students, and I think we, we all can engage students in the research process. One of them is actually getting to experience research, and the second way is conducting research themselves. So to experience research, you know, it's great for introductory psychology students when we're introducing topics like developmental psychology, 
or theories of learning and theories of memory to allow students to participate in an experiment or even a survey. And sometimes I'll do this in the classroom. If I have time, I'll, I'll do an experiment on the students without telling them first and, and kind of get their feedback. Or I'll have them go out on campus and do a mini survey just so they kind of get a feel for what research is like, because that's, that's what they're learning throughout the entire introductory psychology course. Since I teach an online introductory psychology course, I've also found you know resources online where students can participate in research as well. And usually, you know, those come with your textbook, or they can come through APA with different resources that they have available to students. So that even the online students can say, hey, I've participated in, in a research study. And, and I think they really enjoy getting a chance to, to be a research subject. The second way that they can do it is actually conducting the research themselves. You know, this takes a little bit more time to do a special project in class. And so sometimes I'll even have my introductory psychology students do like an independent study contract with me. Or certainly if they're an honor student and they have to kind of go above and beyond what we're doing in the classroom, I'll have them work with me one-on-one -on -one to put a research study together that they'll take the entire semester to conduct. And, you know, I really think this is important for students both to experience the research as a participant, but also to kind of get a chance to conduct some of the research, um, because it really shows them what psychology is all about. One of the things that I'd like to share is that it is important for us as faculty to help promote psychology as a science. And uh, we know that psychology is listed as a formal STEM discipline, and yet not everybody uh, may be aware of that or appreciate psychology as a science. And so however and whenever we can, I think it's really important that we do that. One of the things Psydata has done, and I'll, I'll ask Jerry to describe a little bit more about it, is offer our students an opportunity to participate in a national research project. And so even if they do not have the benefit of having a course on campus or able to work with a faculty member like Kimberly who is conducting research, they can participate in a study. Right. Phi Beta has sponsored, I think, nine years now. Each year we do a, a national, annual national research project. And it's deployed using software so that it's like a questionnaire that gathers data from participants on a number of different measures. And a chapter that wants to participate has to provide participants up to at least 30 participants. And then we aggregate all of the data and make it available to the participating chapters in SPSS and Excel format so that the chapter or the members, whoever wants to get involved, can then download the data and run analyses and prepare a poster or a paper. We've had several students who have used that data from the National Research Project and have won national awards for their papers. So that's especially designed to help colleges that are located in areas that don't offer because of the articulation agreements that may be in place in that state, that they don't offer the research methods or stat courses. But students can still do research that way. And just uh, two weeks ago, we archived all of the past studies so that members can go in now and download any of the ar archived data and do analyses. 
one of the things to mention is that attending conferences is a great way to help students of psychology see what it looks like to present research or to learn more about psychology as a science. And uh, while it is not always easy for faculty to get students to conferences, there are many different conferences that are in different states, in the different regions, and of course at the national level there are scholarships available to students and sometimes to faculty, and it's definitely something worthwhile. We have had students who have come back after years of uh, since graduating and talk, are still talking about their experience at a conference. It can be life-changing. Conference attendance can truly be life-changing for a student. And you're right, Kathleen. It's, I mean, it's important because they, they see what psychology is about. And the other thing I'm thinking, probably because I've just spent all morning writing three letters of recommendation for students for graduate school, is when students have this opportunity to conduct research or they have the experience with leadership or community service, these are extracurriculars that now the faculty member can put in a letter of recommendation for a student. And I think it really gives them a leg up. You know, it's so competitive now to get into graduate programs, certainly in psychology, as I'm sure it is in other disciplines. And if we can provide students with these experiences, they can find out where their strengths lay in psychology. But it also gives us a good opportunity to really prepare them for applying to graduate study in the future. So when we take the research topic and we kind of lay that over, again, the APA goals, Kimberly, do you want to walk us through which specific APA goals you think best apply to the research topic? Sure. So when I think about uh, research, it definitely ties in with goal number one, which is a knowledge base in psychology, right? Because psychology is, is evidence-based. It's based on research. It ties in with goal number two scientific inquiry and critical thinking for the student uh, because students when they're conducting research have to learn about ethics when they're working with both human subjects and non-human subjects. It ties in with goal three which is ethical and social responsibility and it also ties in with goal number four which is communication because when students are conducting research they need to either in written format or orally to be able to communicate their methods and to be able to communicate their results back to the rest of us in a way that we can understand what they did in terms of their own research. So it really provides them with a lot of skills. Perfect. So I think that actually brings us to our fourth and final topic, which is community service. And Jerry, I know you had a few things that you wanted to share on this topic. Yes, I do. Thank you very much, AJ. Well, let me put it this way, uh, the community service concept that both Psychi and Psy Beta promote and want students to do is a way for students who are psychology majors to get out in the community or even on the campus and do something that's meaningful that somehow relates to psychology. And so this has been, become a very popular way of mentoring students. I'll give you some examples of ones that I know of or that my own campus has, has been involved in. One of them is bringing mental health and community um, representatives on campus to talk about different types of disorders or members of families that have a, a mentally disabled person living with them, that they share what it's like and some of the resources that have helped them. 
We've had chapters that have set up and maintained food banks. A lot of times the community service activity kind of, you know, it meets a need that's unique to the where the campus is located and the surrounding area. We have, for example, a couple of colleges. Well, one's in Florida and the other one is in Ohio, and they've taken students to the Museum of Psychology in Akron, Ohio, and have done work to support the um, museum, helping them to organize all of their archives and straighten them out and do different tasks in that regard. My chapter just recently participated in an Alzheimer's walk to raise funds for the Alzheimer's Foundation. Probably one of the, the most high-level ones that we've had, this is like the Heather's Bears Project, is called. And in this one, the chapters collect stuffed animals, mostly stuffed bears, and then they give them to hospitals and emergency technicians and police and firefighters to give to children who have just undergone a traumatic experience. So that that was named after one of our members who lost her daughter about 25 years ago and, and was probably our premier community service activity. There's a new community service that's been under pilot testing at my chapter, and it's starting to really take shape and look very promising. It's kind of like a service learning combined with research project, and it's called Giving Away Psychology Program, or GAP, and the idea is that it's an attempt to narrow the gap between the knowledge base of psychology and what's applied and being used for everyday life by, by people who are not psychologists. And so um, the way it works is we get Cybeta students who form into teams of about four, and they prepare and present 70-minute presentations to other students. And they're highly interactive. They usually include a couple of video clips and some small group discussion and some mini-lectures. But the idea is to present a very interesting psychology-based presentation to others that they can then use for their own benefit. So some of the topics, the first one that we've just completed testing this one and we're running data on it to, to see if, how effective it's been, it's on academic success. So this particular presentation is, includes neuroplasticity, some information on Carol Dweck's mindset, some empirically-based learning and memory strategies, and some the use of some self-regulation strategies. And there's an evaluation component that goes with each of these presentations, and it, that's what makes it interesting because what we've done is combined a community service project with an applied research project. So this has been really an interesting project because not only do the audience members um, gain a lot, but the Cybeta students who are making the presentations are learning all kinds of things that tie directly into the APA goals. For example, they're learning more themselves about the content and knowledge of psychology, which is goal one. They're using scientific inquiry to evaluate their presentations. Goal two, a lot of the presentations and the other service projects that I've talked about 
aligned with goal three, which is ethical and social responsibility in a diverse world. You know, these are civic engagement kinds of activities that students are doing. And clearly, this, the GAP students are making presentations. They're learning a lot about oral presentations, which aligns with number four, and getting experience in making presentations. And then in professional development, um, they're, they're, getting thing, they're getting a lot of practice on collaborating on teams and working together. So that pretty much wraps up what I had to say about that. I think it's a it's a very interesting area in a way that you certainly can have a good time, you know, mentoring students who are engaged in community service kinds of activities. One of the things that that I do and encourage faculty across all disciplines at my school to do is to incorporate a service learning or community service option in all of the courses that they teach. So, for example. I have an opportunity in my intro, in my lifespan, in my development, in my other developmental courses, et cetera, for students to choose to volunteer for 10 hours in the community. And instead of writing an essay, a research paper, they will go ahead and write a reflection paper instead. That is a hot commodity for students. They like that assignment often much better than some of the other options that I give them. And that gets them out in the community. Like I said, they have to do 10 hours and then answer the reflection questions. Another thing, and it is a bigger kind of project, um, but certainly one that I would encourage colleagues to consider is incorporating a need that's in the community with either a group from a class or a group from just your students across the board or maybe your psych club or psi beta psychi or, or whatever group that you're involved in. To give you an example, I've had students adopt a room in the community, whether it be a rec room at the youth shelter or the children's waiting room at the outpatient mental health center or the family therapy room at the, again, the outpatient mental health center over the course of a semester. They go ahead and identify what it is that they're going to need. Um, they work on fundraising and donations, financial and otherwise, and uh, work with the center to actually kind of get that room put together. So, for example, with the family therapy room, this was a room that really it was meant to be a space for people to work through some really difficult things. But at the time, it had limited, uncomfortable furniture in there, and often the therapists weren't choosing to use that space. Now, the only time that space was really being used was uh, for some team meetings or to just go have a little break. It really wasn't being used for therapy. So when my students heard about that, they decided to learn as much as they, can, as they could about how to create an environment that would be conducive for uh, people to feel comfortable and relaxed and, and able to communicate about very difficult topics. Um, there's any number of different things that people can be involved in that can really make a difference and in many cases open people's eyes to, you know, societal issues. Sometimes it helps them identify where they want to work or maybe where they don't want to work. I think that's equally important, too. And um, to give them an opportunity to just give back. 
which is really what we want to encourage our students to do through our mentoring. Yeah, Kathleen and Jerry, it's, it's so inspiring what you have your students do with the community service. It's going to be really personally rewarding for them. But as you were saying, Kathleen, what a great way for them to make connections out in the community, both for future job prospects, but also to make those connections between your campus and the community and share with them what, what psychology can do. You're right, Kimberly. And I will say that just as, um, as an aside, it is one of the greatest accomplishments that I feel about my own work as a professional. And, Having taught over a decade at my institution, when I think about the things that I'm most proud of, it is usually my community service experiences with students and my work really with Phi Beta and the opportunities that have been afforded to me to work with students in a mentoring role. So I think this is a good opportunity to go ahead and review the APA goals associated with community service. So Jerry, do you want to walk through those goals that tie closely with community service? Well, I think it mostly ties to um, ethical and social responsibility because a, a lot of these community service projects are basically ways of giving back to the community. That's the primary one. I think another one that stands out is professional development because these are things that can be put on one CV and, and used to promote the quality of their applications to grad school or for employment. So you can see it's very comprehensive and it pretty much addresses all five of the different um, learning goals for APA. And I think that this, this all shows that by mentoring students with all of these kinds of extra and co-curricular activities that we've been describing on scholarship, leadership, research, and community service, there's an awful lot of learning that goes on. It's experiential learning, which is invaluable to the students. And But the one drawback is that if you don't have a faculty member who's willing to serve as an advisor of a Psychi or Psi Beta chapter or a psychology club, these things won't happen. So... And then one other aspect of this, too, is I think that my experience has been, and I'm sure that Kimberly and Kathleen would agree with this, that serving as an advisor to students who are in an organization like Psi Beta is an extremely valuable professional development experience for the professor because all of these things are happening. You're taking students to conferences you yourself are able to attend cutting-edge presentations on topics you're teaching. There's presentations on teaching strategies being put on by STP and other organizations. So you're doing things that you're learning a lot, too, and then you have these outstanding students in your classes, and they're positive role models for all the other students who are not directly involved and there's a positive spillover. So as I look back, when I started as a chapter advisor, my life changed, and I was teaching psychology for 10 years before I actually started a chapter, and this improved the quality of my life and my professional development immensely by being involved in Beta. I couldn't agree anymore with Jerry. Um, another thing that I'd like to say is that 
being involved in the kinds of things we're talking about allow the faculty member to mentor other faculty and to receive mentoring from other faculty. So Kimberly and Jerry I have worked with for years in, in uh, our various roles with site data, and I have benefited from the opportunity to be around them and others that are just you know, really awesome people and people that can teach me things. And I think that's something that really is, is uh, you know, we're here to talk about mentoring students, but we don't want to forget that we are professionals and we need development too. It's not just our students that, you know, uh, need these things. We can improve our skill set as well, whether it's our knowledge in psychology or our communication, our professional development, all the things we're talking about. And being involved in clubs and organizations, working with students, affords us the opportunity to receive those experiences. I agree. I was both a Cybeta and a Psychi student, and then now having been a Cybeta advisor for the last 20 years, it's, it's such an integral part of my professional self, of my professional being. And what's wonderful, not just having these other faculty like Kathleen and Jerry as colleagues, you know, around the country, around the nation, but also it's provided me with a second family, a second family of students who do go on um, to careers in psychology. So when we spend the time mentoring them in research and leadership and community service and scholarship, many of these students go on to get master's degrees and PhDs in psychology, and I count them as my colleagues that I, that I see at conferences, and sometimes I even work with them collaboratively on, on projects. And it makes me feel a little bit old, but, it, but it's wonderful <laughs> to be able to do that. Perfect. Well, I would normally say this is a great opportunity for closing thoughts, but I feel like we've started to encapsulate that. But I do want to give you guys each the opportunity to say something before we depart. Uh, do one of you guys want to kick us off? Well, I'll just say thank you so much, AJ, for letting us have this inspiring conversation. As I said earlier, I was taking some notes on what Kathleen and, and Jerry were serving, and I think I would just encourage all faculty to really take the time to invest in their students and mentoring them outside of the classroom because the rewards and benefits, not just to the students, but also to you as the faculty member, is just immeasurable. And, and I always tell everybody that, for me, mentoring has just been an investment of a lifetime with these students that I still have connections with, you know, 10, 20 years later. I say what she said. <laughs> Thank you so much. It really um, has been wonderful to listen to you both, and I, too, have taken notes. I've always been, in particular, awe of your mentoring with students in regards to research. I know you, you do quite a bit in, in all the areas that we discussed today, but your, your work with students and research is really um, something that I aspire to, particularly coming from a school where I can't teach students research, at least as a formal course that's in the catalog. So I love hearing more about it. And I think that's one of the things we want to uh, let people know, which is, you know, let's reach out to each other. Feel free to contact any one of us. Um, but also to reach out to your colleagues at other institutions, uh, find out what people are doing, try to attend conferences, know that we're really not alone. I think that's kind of what the whole point of these podcasts are, which is to share what we're doing and uh, give people an opportunity to learn about some things different, you know, that are different ways to do things and think about things in other ways. I, for sure, have found myself in a learning mode every single day 
for a really long time um, just trying to figure out how I can be a better faculty member, how I can be a better mentor, and I really appreciate the opportunity to participate in this podcast and, of course, to work with uh, Jerry and Kimberly for all the years that I've uh, been able to. I guess I should say something, too, since you both were so eloquent. <laughs> I'll try my best. I, I, do, I just want to actually kind of repeat myself that it's been such a great professional development experience being involved in Psi Beta, and what it did was I, you know, I started finding out that other chapters were taking students to the WPA, which is the Western Regional Psych Association Conference each year, and so I began taking students to that. Then I became more involved in STP and APA and other organizations. You begin networking that way with other people who are like-minded, and you begin to develop friends. These people, I know each other. Some of them are really close friends. Few of them even live in California, where I work. And that's all a consequence of, of mentoring students, and it's all because of actually mentoring students. That was the, the primary motivation. Great. Well, thank you, all three of you, for joining us on this episode of Insight into Psychology podcast. Jerry, Kathleen, Kimberly, I really appreciate you guys taking time out of your schedules to join us and talk a little bit about Psi Beta and many of the opportunities that have stemmed from that for both students and for other faculty. And with that, thanks, everybody, and look forward to having you aboard next episode. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. This has been a McGraw-Hill production. Thank you for listening.